Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker, author, and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Christ Supreme series, where Dr. Jones teaches verse by verse through the book of Colossians to show that Jesus Christ reigns supreme above any alternative the world offers. Now let's join him for today's message. And today we're going to pick up on Colossians chapter 2 verses 6 through 15. In this passage that we're reading today, in the book of Colossians, as Paul is arguing for the truthfulness of the gospel and every other message that opposes the gospel to be false, he dives in a little more deeply over these verses and even the verses to come that we'll be looking at later that don't let anything that comes against the gospel fool you. Don't be deceived. Don't be tricked. And he starts off in verse 6 and he says something. He says, as you have received Christ as Lord, live in him. Some of your Bible verses may say walk in him. And I love the wording he uses because he's saying not just a cognitive understanding, but your faith is to have feet. So part of us walking in him, part of our lives being ordered by him is that we stay connected and we depend on him to grow us, to build us up. But then not just that, he says, being established in the faith. Now, this faith, what he's saying is being established. He says, don't be wavering from the faith you were taught. That's why he says, just as you were taught, Epaphras brought the gospel. The church was planted by Epaphras, who's actually in jail at the time of the writing, with Paul. And he says, remember what you've been taught. Remember the discipleship. It's important. Remember, Jesus says we are to make disciples in Matthew 28. He says, you go, you baptize them, and you teach them to obey all that I've commanded. We see this playing out right here in Paul's letter, exactly what Jesus talked about in Matthew 28. Because the gospel has gone forth. People have gone to Colossae. They have received the gospel. We even see, and we're going to dive into it in a minute, in these verses, they've been baptized in the Christ. And now he's appealing to the faith that they have held on to and who Jesus is as Lord. The discipleship to grow, to live out all that Jesus has commanded. This is how we walk in him. As we have received Christ Jesus as Lord, walk in him, live in him. And then lastly, he keeps getting back to this. With gratitude, our lives are to be characterized with gratitude. At the very end of verse 7, he says, just as you were taught and overflowing with gratitude. Overflowing, like is it, you ever pour it too much and it starts overflowing? One, one of your kids made a mess in the kitchen because they kept pouring. You know, they made too big a bowl of cereal and they got stuff flowing all out the bowl. And making a mess all over the place and you mad. That's what gratitude in our lives is to look like. Just overflowing, just spilling out. And the gratitude is towards him. You may be sitting there like, Pastor, you don't know how my life is, though. You don't know how jacked up. You don't know how I've been treated, how I've been abused. You don't know how my finances are. You don't know how my relationships are. You don't know what my job situation is like. And the truth is, yeah, I don't know. 
What I do know is this. If you're watching this right now and you have breath in your body, I want you to think about what Christ has achieved for you and the promises you have in Christ. Some of us, we get frustrated because we believe the lie about Christ. We believe that God is going to do something for us that Jesus never promised us. What we have to get back to is what has Jesus promised? What has God said? And we see his faithfulness. And because we've seen his faithfulness, we can expect his faithfulness for the promises to come in Jesus Christ. So as we've received, if you've placed faith in Christ, if you're watching right now and you have not placed faith in Christ, let me invite you to do so right now. Accept him because he is Lord. He says, as you received him, as Lord, walk in him. And then after he tells them how to walk in him, he goes in verse 8 and he says, Now, for those who've received him as Lord, be careful. Don't let anyone take you captive. I, I love this. I love this. He says, don't, don't be fooled now. Don't let anyone take you captive. Now, remember, he's, he's speaking to Gentile Christians in Colossae. See, pacifiers work, but only for so long, and you find out they're empty and deceptive. Other faith systems, other religious systems, other ideologies, other worldviews that are not according to Christ, yeah, they, they may work for a little while, and what you'll find at the end is that they're empty and deceptive, and they don't deliver on what they promise, and they have no spiritual value. None. And he says, you know how to recognize them is because they're based on human tradition or they're based on the elements of the world rather than Christ. Based on human tradition. We talked about superstitions. We had all kinds of superstitions and, and, and traditions of how we do things and, and why we do things. And we think they work. Matter of fact, human tradition just off experience. Well, this happened to me, so it must be this. I did this this way and I got this result, so it must be true. And we order our lives strictly on human tradition. And what we find, it doesn't last. I look for understanding for my relationships, my friendships, my romantic relationships. And I find out that. Worldview, it, it, it doesn't work. It may last for a little while. It's, it's just a pacifier. It's empty and deceptive. It doesn't work. It's not true. So we, we think about just human reasoning. You know, some people, they're, 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 their whole lives is ordered under rationalism. What I find, and this can sound a little harsh, and I'm going to say it. This can sound harsh, and I want you to brace yourself. That's why I'm bracing you for it. But there's a popular theologian and an atheist a philosopher, and they both said virtually the same thing. They both said, they said, reason is like a prostitute. You can do whatever you want. Meaning, I can reason anything in my head and make it make sense and then do whatever I please. You can come up with premise after premise after premise that leads to a conclusion that may be totally evil, but it's logical. You know, it, it's logical. It's, it's a solid, it's a valid argument. And yet it's totally evil. Rationalism is not, you don't find truth in rationalism. We make sense of the world through reason, but it's not the end all be all. Tell us on pragmatism, just what work, what is work for me? And it's pragmatic and this is what I do. And it's like, no. Then he says the elements of the world. Now, there, you may, for my commentary readers, you may see sometimes um, 
There is debate trying to understand, is this elements of the world, meaning um, creation and its ordering, or is it even dealing with spiritual realities? And that word, you know, it, 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 there's some, even in context, you know, you can look at it both ways. And it may lean towards more so uh, in ancient Near East culture and even during the first century where you had re religious practices where they looked at the elements as far as, say, the stars and the sun and the moon, and they saw some kind of spiritual power behind them. And so they ordered their lives, really, which became acts of worship, which was idolatry. He says... When you order your lives, and I, I'm, a, I'm a really about to step on some toes, so I, want, I really want you to brace yourself. Put your seatbelt on, and I'm about to share some truth with you, and my hope is I want to liberate, liberate you. I want to liberate you from a bondage that you may be under. You may have been taken captive and dragged through the streets by this, and I hope, I hope that you hear what I'm saying according to the Word of God. He says... Empty and deceptive philosophy that is according to the elements of the world. Let me tell you who you are not. You are not defined by some sign that's given to you by your birth month. You'll be sitting there like, hold on. You go around. People even ask on that, what's your sign? Man, it ain't got nothing to do with your personality, with your person, with your identity. The constellations themselves are created things, created as we have seen in Colossians created by Jesus himself. So while we have the lights in the sky that can distinguish between seasons and times, you know what they don't do? They don't define you. Your personality, your future is not determined by stars in the sky. It's not determined by your birth month. Meaning you're sitting here like you've rejected possible viable persons to marry because they were born in a month you thought you weren't compatible with and what you have done is you have rejected the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in your life because you put your trust in the elements of the world and not according to Christ and much of this is idolatry because you're trusting in a power that is impotent that is no power at all he says Empty and deceptive according to human traditions, according to the elements of the world. We got people today, they burn in sage to get rid of bad vibes and energy. And I'm saying all you're doing is putting a smell in the air. Matter of fact, you're actually doing the opposite because when you're participating in that and you're putting your trust in some kind of supernatural power in a creative thing, what you do is attract demonic activity and demonic spirits to you because you're putting your trust and you are rejecting the lordship of Jesus and saying, Jesus, you're not enough. I need something else. Burning sage, witchcraft. Don't need it. Because when you do, what you're saying is Jesus not enough. And you're saying, you want to mix sage with Jesus? Let me tell you, you can't mix sage with Jesus because Jesus ain't tell you about it. Jesus ain't give it to you. Now, if you just want some smell goods, spray some Febreze. If you just want to burn some incense, that's one thing. But once you put your trust in it, you think that it's supernaturally doing something with energy and spirits, you actually have teamed up with those energies and spirits that you're trying to get rid of. He says, don't be taken captive through this empty, deceit and philosophy. We got people using crystals and rocks. I, I've heard about cultures down here when, when babies are born, they put like a black rock on them and they want to keep away bad things. And I'm saying like, what in the properties of that rock is going to keep away a bad future? 
What you're saying is, I don't trust you, Jesus, with my baby. I'm going to trust this rock that you created. We got to get rid of this stuff, y'all. We got to put it to the side. We got we to punt it away. Get rid of it. Because it's empty and deceptive, and all it is at best is a pacifier. At worst, it's teaming up with Satan and his demonic forces against the kingdom of God. These things have no place in the kingdom of God and with the people of God. He tells you don't be fooled because who we are in Christ. He says, don't be taken captive by this, these philosophies, these worldviews, these, these thought systems that are based on traditions of men and based on the elements of the world rather than being based on Christ, meaning any philosophy, any worldview, any ideology that we're going to align with, any theology, any of it, we do so that is in according to Christ, that is found and grounded in Christ Jesus himself. He says, don't be fooled. And who's he talking to? He says, you have been filled by him. Well, who is this we've been filled by? He says, we've been filled by Christ, meaning we have everything we need. We are full to the brim. Now, when he says filled with Christ, there's no room for anything else when you're full. You ever eaten too much when you're full, full? You know, I'm not talking about like little kid full when the kids say I'm full, but then they want dessert. They ain't full. I'm talking about when you full and somebody bring out your favorite. It's been times where I've eaten so much and my wife could break out my favorite piece of cake or my, uh, my kryptonite chocolate chip cookies. Her, her chocolate chip cookies that she make. And I'm sitting there and I'm so full. I love it. And there's no room. No room. I can't fit it. Can't eat it. Can't even put it in my mouth. The enzymes in my mouth won't even break down the materials because my body is so full of the food I ate. When he says you've been filled by him, there's no room for anything else or anyone else. It's Christ alone. And he says we've been filled by him. Well, who is this him? Just before he says that in verse 9, he says the fullness of God's nature. You may say the fullness of deity dwelled in Jesus bodily. This is why Jesus in John's gospel says that my father and I will make my home in you. By faith in Christ, we have the reception of the Holy Spirit to indwell us forever and ever and ever according to his promise of the new covenant that's found in the old covenant. God in us, God dwells in us by the Holy Spirit. That's why he says we've been filled. We are full of the Holy Spirit. By faith in Jesus Christ. There's no need. And matter of fact, when you're full, there's no desire for anything extra. Don't need it. Don't want it. He says, we've been filled by him. And then he goes on. He says, he's the head over every ruler. So any spiritual power, any God you want to bring up, Jesus is ruler over him. He's head over him. Any, any kind of spirit you want to bring up, you, you want we have cultures in the past and even trying to bring up of ancestral worship. You think your ancestors helping you? Your ancestors are just as powerful to help you as you will be when you're dead and gone. Nothing you can do. Jesus is ruler and head over all of that. 
But he goes on. He says, remember who you are. If you received him as Lord, he goes in. He says, you were circumcised in him with the circumcision not done by hands, by the putting off of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with him in baptism, in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Now, let's, let's break this down a little bit. I got to spend a few minutes on this. He says, You've been circumcised. Circumcision in the old covenant was the sign of the covenant to Abraham of what God would do. The world would be blessed through Abraham and through his seed. That seed is Jesus ultimately and those who are in Christ. In the old covenant, this was played out and unfolded into the chosen nation of Israel to be a light to the Gentiles and ultimately point into Christ. The circumcision, it was a sign of the covenant that God gave to Abraham. And, but he says this, but you've been circumcised, and he's not talking about the flesh. What is he getting at? This, this, was, this can sound interesting, you know, when you think about this, but this was actually promised in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy, God told Moses that the time would come where God would circumcise the heart. So it was something bigger than just the flesh. It was something bigger than just body parts. He says, no, the circumcision that's in the flesh is pointing towards something, and that's the circumcision of the heart. And he uses this throughout the Old Testament time when he talks about the uncircumcision, what he's talking about those outside the covenant of God, those who have not aligned and ordered their lives under God, those who have not believed and placed allegiance to the Lord. So when he says you were circumcised and he talked about their flesh, remember he's talking to Gentiles and he was saying, I'm not talking about flesh. I'm not talking about body parts. I'm talking about what Jesus Christ has done as the new covenant with the indwelling Holy Spirit. Because in Ezekiel, he said he's going to give us a new heart, the circumcision of the heart, meaning he has circumcised you. He has removed the sinful nature. He has removed the sinful flesh by the Holy Spirit that now our identity is found in Christ. Old covenant circumcision was identity with the nation of Israel. This new covenant circumcision is identity in Christ. And he says, you know what? I want you to think about your baptism. Remember your baptism. When you identify with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, that's why baptism from the Greek word baptizo means to immerse. That's why we put under the water and we come up when you go under the water is symbolic of the death and burial in Jesus of Jesus Christ that we are identifying ourselves with we have been crucified with Christ and when we come out of the water it's representative that we identify in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that my whole life and my whole being is ordered and belongs to him and the water is symbolic even just of the cleansing, the newness of life. He says, think about who you are. Think about your identity. Jesus, ruler over all, that worldview shouldn't phase you. That teaching shouldn't phase you. When they're trying to add, when somebody tries to add to Jesus Christ, they cancel them out. When somebody tries to split up or, or, or divide from him or take away his, from Jesus' deity, they are rejecting Christ. He says, hold on to the faith. Don't waver. Don't be dissuaded. Stay grounded. Stay established in the faith. 
Because you belong to him. Your whole identity is in him. Your identity is not in your skin color. Your identity is not in your nation. Your identity is not in your gender. Your identity is not found in your sexuality. Your identity is not found in any of these other earthly things. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. And anything that comes against Christ, it's empty and deceptive. It's to take away. Know who you are in Christ and who Christ has created you according to his word, not what the world has to tell you. He says your identity is in him. What did he do for you? These, these last few verses, I got I, 14 and 15. He says he erased the certificate of death. Ah, the certificate of death. I want you to think about it. Sometimes you may have heard me say that God put sin to death like he took our certificate of debt and he nailed it to the cross. When we talk about it, Jesus became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He's going right back to the cross. He says, remember what Christ has done for you. The debt you owed for your sin, you couldn't pay it. We couldn't pay it. Today, people file bankruptcy. Why? They do so when they get to the point they understand, I can't repay this. We all got to the point when we accepted Christ where we realized I can't repay, I can't make up for, I got, to, I, I released everything to Christ. And it says, and instead of filing bankruptcy, what we did is we claimed our bankruptcy and Jesus paid off our debt. And it was nailed to the cross once and for all. Past, present, and future. And what else happened? He rose him from the dead. He already talked about we identify with him as he's as he raised Christ from the dead, the father raised him from the dead. Now, check this out. At the very end of this in, chapter, in verse 15, he says, he triumphed over them. He disgraced them publicly and he triumphed over them in him. He talks about these rulers and authorities again. And he says that this word he uses, like he stripped them. He, he stripped them. He's going back to this taken captive. Paul <laughs> In, in a very literal way, but also at the same time, somewhat poetic. He's saying that what Jesus Christ did on the cross and in his resurrection is that he put Satan and all demonic forces on full display is now they have lost. They have been taken prisoner. They have been publicly dis. Graced. That's why when we look to the cross, it's not that we worship a cross. We look to the cross and we give thanks to God for what he has done. We worship on Sunday mornings because Jesus was raised on a Sunday morning and we get up and we give glory to God because he has put all his enemies to shame in his victory over sin and death. You know, when we think about what Christ has done for us. He can be trusted. We can trust him with everything. We don't need to look to anything else. And I, I know this because of when we've been failed by something. Some of we, we something has failed us before. I, I know one time I, I bought a case for a smart device. I bought a particular case and I did what most of us do. We, we go for the cheapest rather than the best quality. And I, I opted for the cheapest route, but I looked at the description and the details and everything looked, looked like it was supposed to look, and I was like, okay, great. And when you have a case on smart devices, you count on those cases to protect the device. What I found out quickly is 
like my daddy taught me, you get what you pay for. I bought this cheap case and I counted on it to do what the, the best case would do. And I was brought to tears because what was supposed to be waterproof wasn't waterproof at all. Failed me. Cost me much more money. I put, I put my trust and my hope in something that ultimately couldn't deliver. Be careful what you put your trust and your hope in. Be careful, and you got to ask the question, will it deliver? Is it true? Not preferences, not what I like, not because my mama taught me, not because my daddy taught me. No, no, is it true? I'm going to encourage you. The Lord has given us the evidence, historically, theologically, rationally, any other word you want to use, he's given us the evidence to show that he is true. Jesus is true. And we can put our full faith and trust in him. May we stay grounded. May we stay rooted. May we be established in the faith, knowing that we've been circumcised, not the circumcision of hand, not the circumcision of our flesh, but the spiritual circumcision of heart. The new covenant, indwelling Holy Spirit in me. My whole identity is found in Jesus Christ. Everything that I am. And you know what? I've received him as Lord. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm walk in him. I'm going to live in him. And I'm going to give him all the glory, honor, and praise. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the Christ Supreme series, where we learn Jesus Christ has no rival and that he reigns supreme. If this ministry has blessed you and you would like to partner with Point Ministries, please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air, and we are grateful for your faithfulness. Also, if you would like to hear more from the Christ Supreme series, please visit daryljones.org. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.